Welcome to Trusting the Truth with Samuel Tolley, where we view the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. We do not view Jesus Christ through the lens of the world. How you doing? This is Samuel Tolley, Trusting the Truth. Today I want to talk about a transgender named Lois Cardinal who wants to die. Uh, Loris Cardinal became a transgender back in 2009 and have suffered for 14 years uh, after the procedure to convert uh, his penis into a vagina. And now this person has been seeking death by Canada under their MAID program, uh, Medical Assistance in Death. But before we get into Lois's story, I want to show a short 27-second video on the procedure. And I'm going to show it three times because it's so fast. Now, this is not a graphic video. This is an illustration so it's very benign um but it'll give you an idea of what happens when a man undergoes vaginoplasty or vaginoplasty i may have pronounced it wrong but we'll get into it after we look at this thing like i said i'm gonna I'm show it three times because it's so fast There is no audio, it's just a video. First day showing that they, they removed the body of the penis and just left the head. Then they're forming this opening for the vagina, as it were. And the head and the nerve endings are pulling it up to make a clitoris. So let's look at it the second time around. And one more time, of course, they have to manufacture a vulva and ovula, um, excuse me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, to mimic what it would look like in a woman. And they use, my understanding is they use the scrotum and whatever other male parts they can to help make this artificial vagina. Um, like I said, this is a very simplistic uh, illustration. I, I, I didn't want to get into nothing graphic. I don't even want to see anything graphic, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of what men are subjecting themselves to. So let's look at it for this final time. Let's see, they remove the body of the penis and just leave the nerves and the head 
when they pull it back after they make this canal opening, this artificial vagina. Now, of course, these men are in, using puberty blockers. Well, if they were pub if they were pre adult, you know, if they weren't gone through puberty, they would have been using puberty blockers. But they use female hormones um, to try to get that appearance uh, of being a, a female. But I want to sh show you what the Boston children hospital says about vaginal plasticity so let's 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 look at this document and then uh, we'll go ahead and deal with lois's situation excuse me let me clean this out hold on a second bear with me Okay, so what is vaginal plasticity? Like I said, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, excuse me. Vaginal plasticity is a procedure in which surgeons create a vagina from your existing genital tissue. Well, if you're a woman, you don't need this. Vaginal plasticity requires a lifetime commitment of aftercare. This is something I think many people don't get. They, they don't understand that once you go down this route, <clears throat> it's not going to just have the surgery and get healed and go on about your life. It says because women who have a vaginal plasticity will have to dilate their vagina regularly to keep it open. Now, there are some real women that undertake this procedure that have had problems with their vagina for various reasons. Uh, some of them didn't contract back uh, properly after having babies or whatever, or injuries. But generally, what I'm talking about is not women that need this procedure, but men that are becoming women. Because a woman, well, for the most part, she's okay. The clinicians in the Center for Gender Surgery at Boston Children's Hospital, notice this right here, uh, gender surgery at Boston Children's Hospital, offer vaginal plasticity as a gender-affirming procedure to eligible patients who have been living in their identified gender full-time for at least 12 months. Our skilled team includes specialists in plastic surgery, urology, because you're going to have a problem using the bathroom, gender management, I don't know what that means, oh, okay, I know what that means, and social work, <clears throat> who work together to provide a full suite of options for transgender teens and young adults. Okay, gender affirmation surgery Surgeries are a group of surgical procedures that some transgender and gender diverse people use to help affirm their gender identity. I don't know what gender diverse means, because there ain't no going back once you do what these people did. 
vaginoplasty is a type of bottom surgery, surgery on the genitals available to transgender women or those who identify as trans feminine. It involves the surgical creation of a vagina from your existing genital tissue. Who is eligible for vaginoplasticity? Surgery is never the first step in a gender transition. It is something that happens after you have already explored social and medical transition options. People who choose to undergo vaginoplasticity usually do so after taking other steps in the gender affirmation process, such as taking supplemental hormones to qualify for vaginoplasty at Boston Children's Hospital, you must be at least 18 years of age and meet criteria. This is fascinating to me. Why would you have it at the Children's Hospital if you're 18 years of age? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's a children's hospital. You're a grown adult at 18. What happens during vaginal uh, plasticity? Vaginal plasticity is the creation of a vagina and vulva, clitoris, libia minor, and libia major from your existing genital tissue, including the penis and scrotum. I don't know what that word is. Archatomy, surgical removal of the testicles. Okay, I know what that is. Is often performed at the same time as vaginal plasticity, but can also be performed at an earlier time in transition. So they'll make you a gilding before they make you a quote-unquote woman. What happens after vaginal plasticity? Vaginal plasticity requires a significant recovery time and ongoing self-care. You should expect to spend about a week in hospital following your surgery and to return for follow-up appointments after you are discharged because uh, the healing process can take time. You shouldn't engage in any strenuous physical activity or heavy lifting, excuse me, in the first six weeks after vaginal plasty. You will also likely need to urinate through a catheter for one to two weeks after surgery. Your clinical team will give you detailed instructions on how to care for the catheter and how to check for signs of infection at the surgical site, such as redness and swelling. You will likely be able to walk around and engage in light activity within a week after surgery and healed enough to go. Um, I can't see this day. Back to all activities at around six weeks. The surgery has a very long healing process that can take 12 to 18 months. So you, once you go through this thing, they're saying it's going to take a year, a year and a half to be healed. 
Unlike other gender-affirming surgeries, vaginoplasty requires a lifetime commitment to aftercare. If you have a vaginoplasty, uh, you will initially have to dilate your vagina multiple times a day to keep it open. Eventually, you can be reduced to several times a week, depending on the a variety of factors. Your care team will explain how to do it. For the lifetime, for your lifetime, and when you're talking about a lifetime of aftercare, they're talking about the fact that you are going to have to spend the rest of your life dilating that thing. Dilating it means sticking something in that cavity that is supposed to be a vagina. Normal women do not have to dilate. Normal women, um, they just go on about their business. They just, they just, <clears throat> I mean, you know, you, you hear about when women are having babies and they're talking about, well, how many centimeters are there? They're talking about the vaginal canal is dilating before the baby can come out. You know, they're looking at it to open up. That is what it's normally does. It's made for that, but not this man-made vagina. This is essentially a hole that's, that's been created, that's left open after you remove uh, the penis. And the whole, the body wants to close, the body wants to heal itself. So you're forcing the body to stay open as a whole um, by dilation. Uh, you know, I don't know what they use, a dildo, which is a fake penis or some kind of similar thing, but at any rate, if you will not dilate, it will start closing up. And you eventually won't have a hole. So what happened? What's the deal with Lois? Let's see. And that's the name. This individual took. So let's look at Lois's story. Transgender seeks assistance suicide in Canada. It is the only way to end suffering from vaginoplasty complications. You know, when we, I don't know about Canada. But in the United States, there's many parts of this country where they're allowing children to be surgically altered. Just like it didn't make sense to me where I'm reading where you got to be 18 years of age to get this procedure done at Boston's Children's Hospital. Why would it be at the Children's Hospital? Lois Cardinoy, 35-year-old indigenous transgender woman. I think that means, you know, this person was a Native 
well, not a Native American, a Native Canadian or an Indian Canadian, is currently engaged in a bitter confrontation with Canada's healthcare system after it denied his request for assistant suicide. Now, Canada has, and I think there's many states in the United States that have a few, I know Oregon's one, but assistant suicide, where the government, if you meet certain qualifications, let you kill yourself, or they'll you know, help you kill yourself. Cardinal cites ongoing and severe pain from a complication related to a vaginoplasty procedure he underwent in 2009 as his reason for seeking medical assisted death. So here we are, we're looking at a person that did this thing, what, 14 years ago? Took the hormones, what was he, about 21 years old? You know, took these hormones, took the procedure, and for 14 years have been trying to live like a woman. And apparently is very upset about it. In 2009, I was rushed into having SRS, excuse me, <clears throat> um, before I was ready, resulting in immediate regret and sterilization. Of course, you're sterile. In 2009, you were a man. I mean, you're still a man, but biologically, you're a man and you just, for whatever reason, thought yourself as a woman. As soon as you get into that stuff, as soon as you start taking these cross-sex hormones, more than likely you're gonna be sterile. But once you just, you mess up your penis, you know, I don't know how that thing functions in that other way. Cause it wasn't designed to function that way. But these people taking these cross-sex hormones, I mean, think about it. You are a man and you're taking hormones that are that were in women, or you're a woman and you're taking hormones that that were for men. That stuff is a conflict. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It was never meant to happen. But you're a grown man. You decide to do this for whatever reason. Cardinal lives on a native reserve near St. Paul, Alberta, and shared his medical records on social media this week as an attempt to bring attention to the shortcomings of Canada's healthcare policies around euthanasia and gender affirmation surgeries. You know, I hate that, excuse me, term gender affirming surgeries. Because they're trying to say, oh, because this person believes that they're this, then we need to affirm that and help them become that. Instead of calling it what it is, we have an individual here with a mental problem. Because they've disassociated their reality with a fantasy in their head. And by doing that, now they're ready to mutilate their body. But if they mutilate their body and one day they get their head straightened out, they'll never be able to get their body back to what it was.
I'm in constant discomfort and pain and it's taking a psychological burden on me. If I'm not able to access proper medical care, I don't want to continue to do this, Cardinal told the Daily Mail. Vaginoplasticity or plasticity, a surgical procedure that involves inverting the penis to create a neo-vagina often leaves recipients suffering from post-operative pain and discomfort. According to a recent study from the University of Florida, common complications include pain during intercourse and bladder problems. So here you are. You're trying to be a woman. If you get some guy to have sex with you, you're running the risk of having a bunch of pain trying to do it. And then you're having bladder problems. This thing that made you so... Uh, you may not be able to control your self. According to Boston Children's Hospital, vaginoplasty requires a lifetime commitment to aftercare. If you have a vaginoplasty, you will initially have to dilate your vagina multiple times a day to keep it open. Eventually, that can be reduced to several times a week, depending on a variety of factors. Cardinal formally applied for medical assistance in dying, mad under Canada's law earlier this year, but his application was rejected. The note from Cardinal's doctor noted that he was suffering from pain and anxiety related to neo-vagina, for gender affirmation. But Canada's Medical Assistance in Dying Mad rejected his request. You know, there was a... Uh, we'll pause here for a second. I'll get back to this. I was looking up mad to see the eligibility requirements uh, for them to help you kill yourself in Canada. Well, let's see. Uh, let's turn this one off. Let's look at the eligibility requirements to kill yourself in Canada. It says the revised law modified MAD eligibility requirements in response to the Superior Court of Quebec in 2019 uh, Truxon decision. The Superior Court found uh, the reasonable foreseeability of natural death eligibility uh, criteria in the criminal code as well as the end-of-life criterion from Quebec's act respecting end-of-life care to be unconstitutional. The law no longer requires a person's natural death to be reasonably foreseeable as an eligibility criterion for a maid. So, in other words, they, before it was like, you know, this person's got to die. This person's suffering real bad. They're, they're almost on the way out. You know, let's just say, let's let them let's let them go. That's no longer 
a requirement. Um, as of March 17, 2021, persons who wish to receive MAID must satisfy the following eligibility criteria. Be 18 years of age or older and have decision-making capability. Be eligible for publicly funded health care services. Make a voluntary request that is not the result of external pressure. Give informed consent to be received, to receive MAID, meaning that the person has consented to receiving MAID after they have received all information needed to make this decision. Have a serious and incurable illness, disability, or disability excluding a mental illness until March 17, 2024. Be in an advanced state of irreversible decline in capacity. Have enduring an intolerable physical or psychological suffering that cannot be alleviated under conditions the person considers acceptable. The person considers acceptable. What's interesting here is <clears throat> um, after March 17, if you got a mental illness and you want to die, they'll let you kill yourself then. But for some reason, they don't think that Mr. or Miss Cardinal, whatever the heck her name is, is eligible at this time. Before I get back into Cardinal's situation, I want to show another little short video of a person that was going to kill herself with me uh, until, and this person. He wasn't coerced, as it were, but his apartment or where he was living, uh, the rent was going up and he was going to be homeless. So he asked May to kill herself and they were going to do it. But he wasn't being coerced. It wasn't undue outside pressure. Make, make a voluntary request that is not the result of external pressure. Well, he was under external pressure until... Somebody picked up on his story from a news report and, and, and a GoFundMe fund was created for him. Other than that, he was going to kill himself. And he says after the money runs out, he might still do it. Let's, you know, let me get this up here so you can look at this and see what's going on, what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, here we go. So let's get this gentleman. Take a look at this story. It's about five minutes. Are you afraid to die? Who isn't? Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, I am. Sorry. Four weeks ago, City News introduced you to Amir Farsood. He was applying for medically assisted dying not because he couldn't live with his debilitating back pain, but because he was afraid he was about to become homeless and couldn't survive any longer on Ontario disability support payments. Farsud thought he would be dead by today, but as you're about to see, so much has changed. You are a different person. I'm a different person. The first time we spoke, 
you know, I'd wake up every morning and and I had nothing but but darkness and, and misery and stress and hopelessness and, and and all that. And now I've got all the opposites of those things. After our city news story aired, Amir Farsood was overwhelmed by all the people who reached out to offer help. Then this GoFundMe page set up by a stranger named Effie took off, raising a little over $60,000 from people around the world in a matter of days. It was closed because he worried it was becoming too much money to be able to stay on ODSP. If the story hadn't piqued your interest, if you hadn't come here to do it, and, and then people, including Effie, hadn't seen it, I'd be dead. I'm going to look into the camera and say, thank you, Effie, whether you like it or not. Um, thank you. Please don't cut that part out. But Farsood's joy is tinged with guilt. He knows other people with disabilities on ODSP are still living in poverty and have to survive on $1,200 a month for food, rent, and all other necessities. Half a million other Ontarians didn't win that lottery. After paying off debts and loans from friends, Farsood has $40,000 left, which doesn't disqualify him from support payments. He says he will use it to supplement ODSP by $800 a month. He hopes when it runs out in about four years, he'll be in affordable housing. For now, he can stay in his rooming house. It's no longer listed for sale. It's like, you know, you see in the movies, the death row inmate that, that at the last second, like, gets the reprieve, and, and, and it kind of feels like that. Because of his agonizing back injury, Farsood qualifies for MAID. He has physical suffering due to disability that cannot be relieved. One doctor signed off on his application. He needed one more before proceeding. He's put that application away. But after seeing his story, many took issue about the ethics of applying for MAID due to poverty. A lot of people are concerned that, that some may be applying for MAID for the wrong reason. The people who would be using it are people that society has deemed um, throwaways. Um, and if society can't be bothered to give them the dignity in life, then the very least they can do is give them that five minutes of dignity before death. Farsood once considered himself a throwaway. You have vegetables, yes, not I do. And blueberries and celery. But now he has hope, which makes his back pain bearable. It's amazing what an act of kindness can do. Isn't it? It really is. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought it possible. I. I the, the, the kindness, the humanity, the, 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 the compassion that I saw in the last month and a half, I, I didn't think it existed anymore, so, so but it, it does. Farsud expects he will use MAID one day when his back pain worsens and he just can't take the pain anymore, but he thinks that day is many, many years away. Wow. What does that say? <laughs> Make a voluntary request that is not the result of external pressure. This guy was going to kill himself. He was going to kill himself or have made kill him because he thought he was going to become homeless. He's trying to live off 1200 something dollars a month in Canada. So he qualified for made. Um, now, before anybody gets the wrong impression, I am not for assisted suicide at all, period. 
never have been. I'm just spilling out the problems uh, with transgenderism, with uh, mutilating your body. And I was reviewing um, that where this person, Lois Cardinal, lives in Canada and their public or, or, you know, Canada is one of these nations that there is no private insurance, that is government run everything like they want to do in America, like they want to give us, make us socialists, which we're not yet and hopefully never will be. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to deal with uh, Lois Cardinal's situation based on the information that we have and showing Mr. Fassad or whatever his name is, this fellow was ready to go down that road uh, if people, Effie and others hadn't come up with money to help supplement his income. And then come 2000 or 2024, next year, people will be able in Canada, if they got some kind of psychological issues to kill themselves. Well, anyone that's in the transgenderism in my book has got the psychological problem. They got, they got mental illness, although the world seems to think that that's not a mental illness these days. It's either mental illness or it's a, a demonic possession because God created them male and female. He didn't create us male to change ourselves to female or vice versa. Uh, people live for millennia without doing this kind of nonsense. Now, there were people that they would make guildings and different things to um, to satisfy somebody's warped sexuality. It wasn't the norm. So let's get back to Lewis's story. And Lois provided part of their medical information. And I guess this person put this information out online because they want help. They want people to sympathize with she, she, he wants people to sympathize with him so he can get the country to let him kill himself. So it's saying here it was related to this neo vagina general affirmation and at the bottom is checked off um, inadequate pain control then we get this part where the doctor i guess is writing it up it says does not currently meet criteria patient looking into funding to visit gender clinic in montreal for surgical follow-up can be reassessed in future if change in clinical status, uh, resources provided for the looking further into human rights concerns, patient aware she can contact me again for a new ongoing uh, jamming or something for assisted death. Will forward consults to maid office. On the bottom it says based on current clinical information and consultation does not meet criteria well you know oh you know what in canada they took away your right to possess a firearm 
they got rid of your handguns. I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but instead of going through all this crap, the person could have just blew their brains out, and that's the end of the day. The result is all the same. Um, but I don't know. <clears throat> it is what it is. After his request was rejected, Cardinal prescribed was prescribed a numbing cream for his neo-vagina. But according to him, it was ineffective. A numbing cream. Okay, say the numbing cream worked. You got to put this stuff on every day. You know, maybe two or three times a day to stop the pain. Cardinal criticized his rejection as a human rights concern. He told Daily Mail that doctors are more interested in finding out what pronouns he uses than easing his pain. And, you know, a lot of that's going on out here, too, where if you go to a doctor, they'll write down, what is your preferred pronoun? I mean, it's You would think that of all the institutions, all the professional institutions in society, the medical institution would be the last one that would be asking stupid questions like that. What is your preferred pronoun? Because, you know, when you're sick and you need medical help, there are many times where being treated is being treated um, dependent on what you are. There are certain procedures that they would do for a man that they want for a woman and vice versa. There are certain situations where they need to know if you're X, X, or S, Y. So this going around asking you what you are uh, or what do you prefer to be called is nonsense when they got to get down to the intricacies of what's going on. They're not going to be looking at no woman and find out she got prostate issues. You know, or man, if he needs a hysterectomy, the, the, you know, this stuff is stupid. Okay. Where am I at? I am not getting any better and I'm not, excuse me, I am not getting any better and nor am I experiencing better medical care or any medical care. It is so captured by gender ideologies that they care more about my pronouns. So he's, he's repeating himself. Cardinal is not just concerned about a situation. He is openly critical of the gender affirming ideology that led his to undergo his surgery. He has posted videos expressing his disagreement with the current rhetoric of the trans community and believes that an inability to have an honest and tough conversation is fueling transphobic sentiments. You know, I, I feel sorry for this person, but at the same time, this person was an adult when he decided to go through this procedure. And 
when you want to when you become adult you have to take responsibility for yourself i've 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 had videos with other transgender people that regretted what they did but they accepted the responsibility that they made an adult decision they regret that their life has changed forever but they made that decision and they understand that they made that decision and they're not blaming anybody else now when it comes to children that's a whole new different ball game um <clears throat> like i said to me this 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 thing about uh, boston's children hospital will do the surgery after you 18 that's crazy to me i don't know what's going on there it shouldn't even be anything to do with children it, it should be against the law for any in any state anywhere to mutilate an underage person and they should be going through more than a year of extensive counseling before they're allowed to have the procedure done anyway and i don't think it should it should be legal at all frankly uh it's just another way that the devil can destroy society because if you get men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men who's going to repopulate the country but um if you're an adult then you got to make a decision to live it. In a tweet, Cardinal urged the government offices at all levels to reevaluate their stance on gender affirming care. In response to Cardinal's concerns, a representative of the RCYBC clarified their role and scope of influence. Um, excuse me in an email communication stating, in your email, you have also asked, why is it the RCYBC approaching these children with a cultural, holistic, and historical approach before affirming a gender identity? It is important to clarify that the mandate of the RCY does not include services or service delivery directly to children and youth. The RCY does not have direct influence over decisions in the community regarding affirming gender identity. <clears throat> well, <laughs> like I said, this is dumb stuff. This is this is crazy stuff. Um and there's really no reason why um, this should be happening. I'm looking up this one other video that I thought um, I uploaded, but bear with me. Um, hold on. I have enough time. I want to show you this one more video. Okay, it's uploading. You know, our society is so warped now. 
besides the transgender stuff, and what mad is uh, going on in Canada and in different sections of the United States, we have uh, this euthanasia thing going on. Now, in the early 70s or the mid 70s, there was a movie called Soylent Green. Science fiction movie. It's a great movie if you've never seen it, but the movie was, the society was out of control. Um, it was overpopulation. There was not enough food to eat. There was scarcities everywhere. I think it was probably been a, like apocalypse of climate change, the kind of stuff these people would love to talk about. And if you've never seen the movie, I'm not going to sit over here and tell you what happened. But one of the points of this movie was assisted suicide. And there was this character played by Edward G. Robinson that once he found out the situation of what was going on in his community, that it was intolerable to him anymore. And he was an old man. He decided to take the assistant suicide route. And they made the assistant suicide look like something wonderful. Just like me, I'm sure it does. You know, I mean, you got people just let me in. And that is what's going on in many parts of the world. As a matter of fact, I even read previously where they're going to start pressuring people. Look, you've been around a long enough time. You're ill. You're not doing that well. You're really becoming an unnecessary drain on your family and society. Why don't you just go ahead and take the, you know, just finish it. And I heard that was happening in Canada, not in this article, obviously. But I want to show you this little scene in Soylent Green of Mr. Roth when he decided to end it all. It's about five minutes, four and a half minutes. This way, please, Mr. Roth. Good evening, ma'am. May I have your name? Well, I see that orange is your favorite color. 
If you ever get a chance, you've never seen Soylent Green, watch the whole movie. But the fact of it is, is this man got to the point where death was a beautiful thing to look forward to. And that gentleman we saw earlier, um, when he thought he was going to be homeless, death was a beautiful thing to look forward to. And it, well, not necessarily beautiful, but he would rather die just like Louis Cardinal wants to die, 35-year-old man that transitioned to a woman, supposedly, in 2009. And now he's been suffering for 14 years with that terrible, awful decision he made. If you don't learn anything else from this, I hope you would learn if you're considering something like that, don't do it. If you're talking to people that's advising you to do something like uh, gender-affirming care, get away from those people. As far away from those people as you can. Get around folks that will affirm you as who you are. You know, get around Christians. They'll tell you, you know, they might tell you you're false, but they'll tell you you were made in the image of God whether you're a male or female, and you should stay in the image of God because that's the way he created you. You may have hard days. You may have bad days. You may have good days. We Christians, we have them all. We have good days. We have bad days, but we always recognize who we are. And we always recognize whose we are. And since we depend on him and we love him and he loved us first, no matter what kind of day it is, he will see us through it. And he'll see you through it if you trust in him. But at any rate, you won't have to regret mutilating the body that he created and gave you. That is a gift that he gave you. Whether he made you male, female, black, white, it doesn't matter. Everybody in all our different colors and all our different, are only two different genders, we were made in his image just the way he wanted us to be made. And if we embrace that and we accept that, it's all good from there.
This is Sam Tolley, and I'm out.